Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Pet Boarding and Daycare Podcast, the show that shares the secrets to unleashing the next phase of your pet business growth. Get ready for exclusive industry news, inspiring owner stories, and expert insights for growing a super successful pet care business. It's all happening right here on the Pet Boarding and Daycare Podcast, sponsored by Barclay Productions. Now, take your seats because the show is about to begin. Here's your host, the pet biz whiz himself, Dominic Hodgson. Hello, howdy, hola, and welcome to another episode of the Pet Boarding and Daycare Podcast. We're back for episode two, and this is a packed episode. I'm speaking to three pet care business owners, uh, one who is almost about to open a facility, um, one who has had their facility open for a year, and one who just opened in the last month. So we're going to be getting uh, a bit of an insight into their stories and also what they've learned from the process and what they might do differently in the future. So this is a start-up special. One of the things I really wanted to do uh, when we started the pod was I wanted to take the listener on the, the entire journey. So what's it like starting up a pet care facility? What is it like scaling one? And then what is it like when you sell one as well? And so we're starting off with some start-up stories. But before we dive into that, couple of promotional opportunities for you all. Uh, this week, uh, we have two um, two really good promotional days. Um, one is today, it's February 7th, send a card to a friend day. Now, this is one of the easiest sales you can make in your pet business. You can just create a simple thank you card for your clients, and that will result in them feeling good about your business and, and buying more services from you. Um, you know, you can create a card with a picture of their dog on it, send it to them, thank them for the business and for, for bringing their dog into your life. Um, you know, write something about them being not just a client of yours, but more of a friend of the company, an advocate of the business, and then give them some kind of a freebie or an upgrade if you want. Uh, and tell them, you know, if they have any any dog owning friends who they think might be interested in learning more about the daycare, to to let them know. And that's that's a surefire way to increase uh, your business over the the coming weeks, months, and years. Because that card that you send that will hang around in their house for a very long time. It'll start off in the hallway. It'll move into the sitting room. They might take it to work to show a friend. Uh, they'll pin it on the fridge. Send a card to a friend. Send a card and make more money. Also this week is Chinese New Year. So 2024 is the Chinese Year of the Dragon. And did you know the dragon is the only mythical creature in the Chinese zodiac? The others uh, being uh, the rat, the ox, tiger, rabbit, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, the dog, and the pig. And the year of the dragon is widely considered to be a year of transformation, growth and abundance, which is kind of a big part of my philosophy in my coaching and consultant program as well. It's what I try and bring to the clients and it's what we're trying uh, to bring you, dear listener, on this podcast. So we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor and then we'll dive straight into the interviews with our three startup stories. Forever Stainless Steel is the world's quality leader in animal bathtubs and related systems for professional pet boarding and daycare applications. 
Our tubs are fabricated from an extra heavy gauge of metal, 14 gauge, and feature fully welded construction. This makes for a robust structure that never requires any maintenance beyond normal cleaning. The tubs are beautifully finished and provide functionality, user-friendliness and elegance to professionals worldwide. Forever stainless steel pet wash tubs are unmatched in solidness of structure and include patented features not available elsewhere. All tubs are stocked at our warehouse in Omaha, Nebraska and are made in the USA. Visit us at www.foreverstainlesssteel.com to learn more. So let's get into some startup stories and I wanted to kind of explore the different ways that uh, people transition into uh, running their own pet care facility. So we're going to be talking to someone who ran a very successful dog walking business for over a decade before he very recently opened his first facility. We're going to talk to a lovely couple who volunteered uh, as part of a pit bull rescue for eight years and built up a great reputation before they opened their facility. They're just having their one year anniversary. And I'm also first going to be talking to Chris Kennedy, who runs Kennedy Canine Camp in Massachusetts. And uh, Chris, as many of us do, he had a number of jobs in the the pet care um, space. He worked in a vet clinic, he worked in a pet store, and he even worked in a doggy daycare um, for a number of years before he kind of took that first step, started his own business, and here he talks us through what he did first. Yeah, so I was there for years, and then um, I was just like, you know what, I could do this better for some reason because you know you're young and you're a little high in the head and you think that Mm -hmm. you can you can always do it better so i was like all right let me go start and um you know i didn't have the money to like open up a facility or go right into grooming you know daycare boarding things like that so i started out dog walking um i even had a couple clients from the daycare that left and you know went along with me um and then you know just kind of since then it's just been like years of repetition and like loving it and like i just spend all day listening to um different like trainers on youtube um watching different documentaries on like how dogs brains work and like i was finally like really getting my feet wet with it and like really getting into animals again and just wanting to learn absolutely everything i could because i was i was determined to make it you know my living um i started out like very part-time with the walking and so like i went and i worked at another daycare for for six months just to get some extra income and things like that Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. eventually um i started doing daycare out of my home we were lucky it was you know many acres to the property and there was already a horse barn there were two horse barns and one of them wasn't being used so Mm -hmm. i turned that into a dog pen Mm -hmm. and that was great um and then i want to say I got my first um, big van back in 2022. I was carting dogs around in like a little four door, you know, sedan for years Mm -hmm. and then like a SUV and I got a minivan and then enough was enough. I was like, I'm doing too many trips. We're getting this big van. So I have um, the rough land crates that are kind of like stackable and lasted. So it fits so many more dogs than that. Um, And then I, um, let's see. Uh, so yeah, so I was doing daycare out of my home, um, still doing the pet sitting and walking, and then I got my first few employees over the past three years, so they could take over. 
um, all my walks. And then I had, you know, a, a staff member doing the daycare groups for me. So I would just pick them up in the day, drop them off. The walkers would get their keys, kind of carry on, do their own thing. Um, and then I would, you know, work on the business. I would use the time during the day that I'm now no longer out there walking dogs. I could really identify with what Chris was going through then. And because after my online store crashed and burned, I, I was transitioning to training and writing my first book and I, I was doing too many things. I couldn't grow the business effectively. And I first had to spend time building a team to work in the business while I worked on it, which is exactly what Chris did as well. Now, he soon had some opportunities came along um, to get a building so he could open his daycare. And eventually, uh, the perfect location came up. But even that wasn't straightforward because of a, a big delay. Um, and and uh, he eventually um, eventually got that place, but he had to pivot again in the meantime and kind of start a new service uh, that would keep his dog walking and his daycare clients happy. I found a brand new build. It was a standalone industrial building. Um, so I was the only person in the unit. It was going to be perfect. I already had the garage doors that I could just fence around outside. Um, and like the town was excited. And they're like, yeah, we need a daycare in this town. This would be perfect. It's right on a major road. Um, then there are no houses around. It's just uh -huh. other standalone warehouses. Right. Uh -huh. And then I guess the owner of the whole industrial property was like, no dogs. <laughs> I'm like, okay, now it has been a year and I'm still, um, we had, I had to transition to pack walks between uh -huh. daycare at my home and the new facility. Cause I just couldn't do it out of my home anymore. Yeah. Um, so now we load up the van and we we bounce around from trail to trail and have group walks and stuff. So they still get a full day. And I was like, I got to get creative to fill this void. So I don't say, you know, I had, I can't do daycare. I'm going to shut down. No, no, can't do daycare. But I can do it all day pack walk adventures, I called it. Right. Mm. So that's been the last year. And I'm like, I, I need to get in somewhere. Let me reach back out to these people. And I because I drive by all the time. It's right down the street for me. It's still vacant. Like, oh, it's open, but there is somebody else looking at it for a daycare. Do you know so and so? I'm like, no, I don't know who that is. So I'm like snooping, trying to find out, like, if they already own a daycare, they're trying to franchise or something, like what I have to look for competition. But they backed out. And then the town had a kettle years ago that got them sued and all this nonsense. So, like, the town was very difficult. Um, so they're limiting me to 25 dogs to start. I uh -huh. wanted to do 40. Uh -huh. So I had to get creative. Um, I'm not even attempting overnights, like boarding, because I know how difficult that's going to be. I want to get in the door for daycare, training, pet sitting. And if that's good and I can get some more space, then readdress the town. But the other catch is monthly inspections. Uh -huh. Instead of your one annual inspection they want to do monthly inspections wow that'll keep you on your toes yeah so uh i mean i got a lot um you know i had to fight a lot to get here uh -huh. um but i made it through it and now it's just like i have piles of boxes sitting in my house because i can't put it in the facility yet because uh -huh. You know, we had winter breaks. So there was a delay in the work there and things like that. So I'm like, we really need to open this so I can open my house back up again. <laughs> and... Definitely. 
great perseverance from Chris, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with him when his uh, facil- facility finally opens up in the next month or so. Good luck, Chris. Next up, I'm talking to Britt and Sully, who run the backyard in Maine. And these guys are coming up to their one-year anniversary. So they've been in business for one year, and I started by asking them what their first year in business was like. We've been open, we're coming up on a year now. Wow, congratulations. Kind of exciting, yeah, right. thank yeah. you. Brilliant. And a good year? A tough year, but yeah. Bittersweet. I don't know. There's lots of words to describe it. Yeah, very, very hard. But I think especially having the ability to compare ourselves with others, being so involved in these amazing communities that people like you and Fern have, um, I think we're doing really, really well. But it has been been a, a humbling soul crushing sort of year <laughs> cool so talk me give me the um how, how did you what did you do before this then how did you transition to uh, what you're doing now yeah so we came into the dog business industry uh via rescue we've had a pit bull based rescue for eight eight ish years now um called pity posse rescue and we rescue dogs, we rehabilitate them, we adopt them out, but we also do a lot of education, a lot of awareness around positive training, around, you know, human dog relationships, around, you know, just being really educated about how you how you have your dog and what you do with it. Um, and that kind of, because a lot of our volunteers were in the dog industry world, we start, and because a lot of our adopters wanted places to send their dogs for boarding, for training, for daycare, we kind of started getting involved and hearing about what was going on in the industry. And, you know, here in the United States, especially, uh, well, I don't know how it is state by state, but in Maine, it's a fairly unregulated industry. Anybody can get a kennel license and, you know, open up their living room and call it a doggy daycare. Uh, And because of that, we have some, you know, we have some, some, some daycares and boarding and training places that are really not they're not good for the dogs. And we started oh. hearing more and more of those stories. And we wanted to create our own alternative that was safe, not just for the dogs, not just that catered to their emotional and physical well-being, but also that did right by the staff. Um, that was another thing that we were hearing that staff was really mistreated. And, you know, it's just, you know, it was just considered a a entry-level job that kind of teenagers got on the on the summer and not really a way to 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 start and grow a career in the dog care industry and we wanted to choose that too we wanted a place that put the safety and the well-being of the dogs and the well-being of the staff ahead of everything else even profit Um, and that's what we kind of set out to do Wow, fantastic. So so what quickly then, what, what jobs have you done in the past then? Give me some give me a flavor yeah. of what you guys have done before the, the, the rescue, the pit rescue. Yeah. So up until well, so we've we've had our, our pit rescue makes no income from us. It's a 5013. No, yeah. Um, but I've been a business coach for women, business entrepreneurs, and business owners for 15, 16 years. I closed it in June to really focus full time on the barkyard, but that really informed my background. And then I'll let you see what uh, you do. I'm a software engineer. I've been a developer for over 20 years. So mm-hmm. that's my expertise in the back end systems, the computer stuff, the technology. Got it. Got it. Right. Cool. So um, 
how long did it take you to uh, well to tell me about your facility then tell me about what you what you got and what you offer yeah uh, as far as like the physical layout of it, it's about 11,000 square feet, um, 7,400 of which is the, the main area where all the kennels are and the indoor play yards. Um, then we have about 3,000 square feet out back. Um, that's currently warehouse, but we'll be doing more with it, more yards, more kennels. And then we mm -hmm. have three outdoor <laughs> yards that will be hopefully expanding within the next year, but. Yeah, those are about 1,500 square feet. Um, so fair, fair, fair size then, you've got a good size. Yeah. What, what services What services are you offering? So we do daycare, we do boarding, we do very light board, uh, grooming, and we do training, all positive fear and force free training. Cool, fantastic. So so talk me through the, we're coming up to an, your first year anniversary and um, it, you've been through the mill by the sounds of it, as most people are their first year in business. Um, to talk me through, you know, how, what did you do to, uh, to promote the place beforehand? You know, how, how did the first kind of couple of months go and what would you do yeah. differently guys looking back now? So many things, <laughs> um, <laughs> but one of the things that we started with, so we definitely, I mean, with, with my marketing and business background, and then also we found podcasts, like we hadn't found yours yet, but we had found ferns. Yes. Um, brilliant. You know, we found a lot of, um, I think fern was really the one that I kind of glommed onto because I really liked him. But with a combination of that in my background um, and because we thought we were going to be able to open actually much earlier than we were actually able to open, we started, so we started a newsletter list. We started social media channels and we started promoting um, list growth six months before maybe uh, about least. yeah at least six months before or maybe longer considering maybe longer we delayed so long yeah so it was probably more like nine months we started teasing it we started talking about it we started inviting people to get on the list for you know a very small number of opening spots um and, and that we really already helped. had a community of people that were dog owners you know with right. the rest helps of too we've yeah. adopted out over 600 dogs so and they're all mm. local so that was like an instant base right there to to send, you know, flyers or, you know, emails yeah. or whatever. We've we've built a reputation in the dog in the dog world in Maine as people who, you know, we're we're well known here for our rescue yes. work. Yeah. Um yeah. but the other thing that really worked for us, so we had a nightmare of a time finding a location. Mm -hmm. Zoning is complicated here, so everywhere well everywhere okay but there were very few areas that were zoned for this business and a lot of them were really undesirable or they just didn't work out Sully actually had to change the zoning in South Portland he we had to go through city council he wow. actually rewrote the zoning law and they allowed it in only for our business so we are actually the only dog business that's allowed in South Portland unless somebody else goes through that um, but that was really hard. However, it resulted in us getting this amazing location, which had as much space as we were looking for. But one of the things that we hadn't counted on was that it's an extremely busy street and putting our sign up on that yeah. street accounted for probably over 70% of our first clients, which we really, really, we had no idea that what would happen. We thought our, our standing in the dog world would really help us that sign was the best money we spent in that in that year mm. of building. 
uh, talk to me about pricing then did you kind of obviously if you're doing smaller groups you know it's it's more intensive isn't it you know it requires more hands-on and stuff uh, did Yeah. you price accordingly Not in the beginning. And we we also really benefited um, very early on through Fern. I found Allison of Scouts yes Honor and started talking to her and we developed an almost immediate friendship. So we actually changed our business model. In the beginning, we were going to do, you know, fear and force free, small group. But after hearing about what Allison was doing, we changed it to an enrichment model. And our initial business plan was built on just a daycare model with small groups. When we added the enrichment programs in, so we have three levels of programming and um, two of the three involve or include enrichment during the day. And when we added that in, it blew our numbers up so that we were almost from the beginning making the tiniest bit of profit Yeah, within because, a couple months. yeah. because our numbers were off because we were charging. So we do regular daycare dogs are $50 a day, 56 if it's drop-in. The hybrid model, which is half daycare groups and half enrichment is 70 a day or 76 if they're drop-in. And then we also have a limited solo dog program where dogs who don't get along with other dogs or who can only play one-on-one -on -one can come. And that's 80 or 86 drop-in. So those two top tiers really. Yeah, I think when we were originally guesstimating how, what percentage of clients would be in hybrid and solo, I was thinking maybe five or ten percent. It ended up being more like twenty-five percent, maybe thirty percent, and it really, Yeah, I think it definitely boosted the numbers from what we were expecting. great. I think I think we all. Uh... We all underestimate, you know, what people are prepared to pay for if Yeah. we if we put it in Yeah. front of them. And and part of the part of what I'd like to help people do is like, okay, what's the next thing we can offer? What's the next thing we can offer? You know, how can we like plus that experience again? Because then it's just a you know, it's just a matter of packaging it up and marketing it correctly, and people will take it, won't they? You know, because they they, they you know when they see the value in it, what you're offering, Yeah. that they're, they're all for it. Yeah. 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 It's it's made a really big difference from a marketing standpoint to frame it as as what people want for their dogs, not what we're trying to give them. You know, people want a safe place for their dogs. They want to know that their dogs are special. They want to know that, you know, their dogs are good. Um, and so when we can frame it that way, you know, we've I've had a lot of conversations with Allison about this. And, you know, in terms of like, it's not that your dog was bad. It's that your dog No. is comfortable in group. And Yeah. therefore, the hybrid program is perfect because it sets them up for success. You Oh, know, and framing things from that point of view has really helped people feel better bringing their dogs to us. And I think that I think that how people feel bringing their dogs to us has been a really big factor um, in the massive word of mouth growth that we've experienced. Great job with the Barkyard, guys. Um, I'm really impressed with how they kind of pivoted their business model early doors and, and went to more of a hybrid model, introduced tiered levels of service, which made the whole thing a lot more profitable, uh, a lot quicker than it otherwise would have. And you'll be hearing more uh, from Britt and Sully in next week's Valentine's episode too, because they're one of the couples who are going to be taking part. Uh, Finally, this week, I'm catching up with uh, Dan Reitman. I've known Dan for a, a number of years. Uh, he runs Dan's Pet Care, 
which is uh, a, a dog walking and pet sitting uh, company in New York. And he's been in business for a little over 14 years. They very recently opened up their first dog daycare facility. And I started by asking Dan um, how long in the 14-year career of his dog walking business had he been thinking about opening a pet care facility? Probably 14 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've, I've had a lot of opportunities along the way. When I was about two or three years into the business, I had somebody approach me that wanted to partner with me and we were looking at spaces and stuff like that. Again, I was 22 when I started, so I was very young. And he wanted to be very hands-off. And I was in school full-time as a double major, running the dog walking business, running a tech company and running a nonprofit organization. So like, he basically wanted me to be there running it in between classes. And I was like, I don't really think that's how this kind of business operates. So I ended up not working with him and then focused on the dog walking for a while. Um, we got really serious, I'd say 2019, um, before the world imploded. Um, so we were looking at a couple of different properties. Again, it was finding the right fit, finding the right landlord, finding the right location. Um, but we looked for years at different spaces and stuff like that. There was one space we looked at, which was way too big and I couldn't afford it, but I still like was like, all right, let's see if we can make this work. And it was like 40,000 square feet. Um, still to this day would have liked to have opened it, but that's, that's the dream is I want to open something that's about 40, 50,000 square feet. Um, we signed our lease for our current location in March of 2021. And it took us nearly three years to get this place up and running. Now, I don't know where most of the viewers and listeners are, but if you are looking to open something and you have to deal with local government, my first piece of advice is get an attorney who has very good relationships with that local government. So your contractor might know somebody, there's plenty of people you could ask on Facebook, in like Facebook groups and stuff like that. But getting a, a solid attorney with a good relationship in, in the, the building department was a game changer for us because it took us way longer than it ever should have taken to get this place open. Mm. And was that a, something that you just learned along the way or at some point did somebody yeah. give you like a tip off? Hey, you need to do this. How did it work? It was a this has been a lot of learning along the way. So in terms of my personal experience, again, I was 22 when I started. So, you know, my first job, I worked as a pizza guy at Domino's. And then, you know, I had my fair share of odd jobs throughout high school, I worked as a camp counselor, I was a custodian. So I had all sorts of jobs. I had no corporate experience. I had no experience running a company. And I definitely had no experience building out a brick and mortar place. So I was very green um, and made plenty of mistakes. Didn't, I remember the first time I saw blueprints. I was like, yeah, that looks good. Not a clue what I was looking at. Um, and so over time, my father-in-law was fantastic. He's got his hand in real estate. So he gave me a lot of advice and he actually came in and helped me negotiate um, the first set of um, the first iteration of the lease negotiation. And then I have a very good family friend who's like a second father to me who has basically come in and has been project managing everything for me. So he's incredibly experienced with, um, I feel like interior design is definitely not the right description of what he does. He helps people design like beautiful, beautiful homes. He works with like the uber, uber wealthy. 
Um, so he really, he's got a beautiful eye for design. So he actually has given me a ton of advice and really helped guide me through this process. Um, but I think one of the things that's been super important is, and this is something I definitely didn't do when I was younger. Now that I'm older, I think I'm a little bit more okay with being like, I don't know what the f- we're talking about. You got to explain this to me like I'm five. I do that a lot now. So like with the contractors and they're like, oh, it's a blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that is. You're going to take a minute. And you're going to walk me through this. So the most helpful thing for me was just being like, okay, I got to ask some questions. And then I got to ask people like, hey, what can I do? Just using my network and trying to find as many people as possible. Because like, look, you know, with local politicians, sometimes you got to like make a donation to someone's uh, upcoming campaign or whatever. I was trying to figure out whatever I had to do to do it. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to even do that. It was just dealing with all the local government stuff. But, you know, finding people who were able to help me go through this process was beyond essential. Yeah, for sure. There's no such thing as a self-made man. It's the team that we uh that we Not at all. ourselves with. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I I'm obviously I'm familiar. I know zoning is like a huge issue, isn't it? You know, it's it's like a um yeah. and it can be a deal breaker many times, you know, or you know, kill it, kill the dream before it even uh it even gets off the ground. Um how did you so you you had you had some help from kind of family members and people who've um, done, you know, construction kind of projects. Did you go out and speak to facility owners? You know, did you, or do you have contacts in that kind of space already? I, so my management team, a large number of them have been pulled from these facilities. So um, my, one of my most senior team members, he ran a huge facility for years. He built them up from like, a million dollars in revenue. And when he left, they were at 3.5. He is, him and I are so aligned in terms of what our vision is and what like our goals are for the company. Like he's in it for the long haul. So that's, so Joe's been amazing. Um, we have another manager, Amanda, who worked with Joe in the past. And then she, she was a director. Um, she was a manager of facility of a Dogtopia. So we've pulled people in and a lot of our staff that we hired, everyone on the team, currently has had experience working in daycares before. Like eventually we will hire people and then train them. But I want to make sure day one, everyone who was in that building knew how to be in a group full of 30, 40, 50 dogs. That can be an overwhelming experience. Um, Another thing I definitely did was Facebook groups. I am in, I'm sure many listeners have seen me spam plenty of things on, on the different Facebook groups over the years. But I am in a lot of the boarding and daycare Facebook groups. I just go on and I post like, hey, I need to get some information about this. Or what's your favorite software? What's your favorite cleaning solution? What are the favorite dog beds you use? Because like, yes, I could sit there and do this in silence and in the dark like I did when I started the dog walking business. And I really had to make a lot of mistakes and learn from those things. But like, honestly... I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, there are people who have done this before. There's no reason for me to sit here and try to like learn all this stuff on my own. So like using the communities have been fantastic as well. Fantastic. So t- talking about, I'll talk about marketing in a second, but just um, quickly on the, the the funding then. So it, it, this was self-funded. Have you, you know, have you had to get a loan? How, how, how how's that worked? Uh, mishmash. So I did, we got some money back from the government through the uh, economic impact disaster loan. So that is a loan from the government that was COVID related. 
Um, so part of that. And then we got um, the employee retention tax credit. So basically anybody that we kept employed in 2020 and 2021, we got a percentage of that money of their um, of their paychecks basically kicked back to us as a company. So between the EIDL, the ERTC, um, some friends and family loan, and then mm-hmm. our wedding money, everything in our bank accounts, I liquidated crypto, um, you name it, it went, and then the dog walking business has also been funded things as well. Yeah, so it's cash flow there. like, I definitely, we were in a position where we could have taken on investors. Um, but I just look at this as like, I'm trying like, if I was just going to build this place and that was it, hundred percent would have taken on an investor. I'm trying to scale this thing nationally. I want to have a hundred brick and mortar locations and selling a piece of the company now is just something that, that just, I'd rather just eat the debt and take out like, cause like what's a million dollars in debt. It's so much money that it's like, all right, I, I burned the boats. You know what I mean? Like when I, as soon as I signed that, that loan for the, um, the EIDL, there was no turning back. Cause I, I personally guaranteed it. So there wasn't like, all right, I can, you know, close up shop if this doesn't work. Like, no, like I am personally liable for this. And so Something in my, I've always been obsessive and like, this is like something, my wife always jokes that she's my mistress and this business is my wife. She's not totally inaccurate there. Um, and it's just like something clicked in my brain was like, you don't have a choice. Like you have to make this work. Cause there were definitely days during this process where I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I am, this is so draining financially, emotionally, physically, like having this empty building that I know should be a, like a vibrant business is just killing me. But yeah, signing that, uh, signing that loan note at the time, I didn't really think about it. Cause it was just like, all right, I could breathe for a second. But like after a month, I was like, yep, I burned those boats. Uh, there's no turning back. This is what we have to do. We got to storm the beach and we got to, you know, make this thing a success. And um, again, it's chaotic. It's crazy. It's terrifying, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, what's been, what's been the biggest difference then between starting up your dog walking business from scratch and growing and scaling that, and what you've experienced over the last money? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a much more expensive endeavor. When I started the dog walking business, I had flyers that were this color, and I put them all over the place. And that was it. It was just neon pink flyers. This has been a lot more, <laughs> a lot more money, a lot more time, a lot more stress. Um, Cause with dog walking, you're getting out there and doing the work. You know, it's one of those things where you just, you hit the pavement, you ask for referrals, you put up your flyers, you go in the Facebook groups, you post, you make content, you just go, go. And it's a grind. Building a dog walking business is a grind. Not that building a daycare isn't a grind. It is different. You got to make sure you have the proper capital allocation, which we didn't um, in the beginning. I've definitely poured all of my money into this. Like my wife and I have put every penny we have into getting this first place up and running. Um, And it's also, you know, you're dealing with the government stuff. You're dealing with, you know, building departments. You're dealing with architects. You're dealing with contractors, subcontractors. There's just a lot more moving parts starting this versus starting the dog walking business. Um, but honestly, I love it. Like even on the worst day on like the day where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get this place open or I don't know if I'm going to have enough money 
to finish this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this over the finish line. I wouldn't trade it for the world because like getting that, like I was a met when we, for when we got our, um, our approval. Cause like it was so long and I was the building. So I'm in our satellite office, which is like a couple blocks away from our other office, but the building departments are right around the corner from here. And I went in cause like it was just taking so, so long. And I was like, look, I know we're almost there. Can you guys give us like a temporary CFO? They're like, yeah, we could probably do that. We just got to find your file. A couple minutes in, there's four people looking in this building department. They lost my entire set of paperwork, everything. And I think I th- the guy who like I've been dealing with the building department is fantastic, very sweet man. I think he saw something snap in me. Like I think my eye was switching. I was like, what do you mean you lost it? He was like, you guys can open. We know you're, <laughs> you're good. So they ended up letting us open, but it was just, and I, I came back here and I was just a mess because it had been, you know, it had been three years, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, like every crying, like me and my wife crying. And then I'm like, oh shit, now I got this place filled. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a very emotional process too. I mean, like, you know, for those people listening who, you know, this is your full-time job you know, you're emotionally connected to these animals. You, you care about your clients, but like, for me, it's like, this business is my baby. And like building this and getting this to this next level has been, I think, legitimizing for me, even though like I'm, the dog walking side of the business has done over $10 million in revenue. Like it's a, it's a real business. Like it is a business that has, it put me through college. I've traveled the world with it. I've started other companies. I've been able to invest in other things. Um, but in my mind, I'm still that college dropout, you know, recovering addict who's kind of a loser. But like, for some reason, seeing my name on that building was like, all right, we're, we're getting it. Like, it's not enough yet, but it's, it's, it's getting there. So it's, uh, it's been a, a crazy process, but a process I wouldn't trade for the world. I, I think it's uh, yeah. instructive that. Uh, you know, you people go into this with like a long term vision. I know you think long term anyway. I, you know, I've spoken to you a few times. You know, I know the story of the original business. Yeah. I know you're you 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 have a great ability to to think bigger and think long term. Um, certainly than a lot of um, dog walking business owners that that I've spoken to in the past. And uh, yeah, really uh, refreshing and reassuring to hear you're carrying this into. Uh, this new venture as well. Dan, talk to me about um, how did you go about kind of marketing and, you know, ensuring that you opened with with a bang and, uh, you know, with as many people as possible? Well, we've been, we've been promoting this thing for nearly three years at this point. So we've had <laughs> clients, we've had clients who have literally, they'll drive, they would just drive by, they would pop in. We had one guy, um, his dog is, his dog's name is Ace. The dog's fantastic. I think he showed up 10 times just to see when like he was actually my first client I got to give a tour to, which was really, really cool. Cause he showed up and he was like, you guys open. I was like, actually we're opening in like two weeks. Do you want to see it? Um, so we promoted it to our clients, which having, you know, we've got 3,500 clients across Long Island, Brooklyn and Queens. So we've got a, a solid base to begin with. So it's not like we're starting from scratch and we have to earn people's trust. It was, you know, I have people who have been with me for almost, you know, 15 years. So some people I've taken care of their, their dogs for almost two decades now. And 
so there's an established trust, which you know I will say has made it easier to get people in the door. They know the brand, they trust us. Um, but we started building a wait list about a year ago because um, I didn't think it was going to take as long <laughs> as it did take. So we started with a wait list. We got that up to about a thousand people. And then um, about three or four months ago, uh, Dan, not me, but our other Dan, had a fantastic idea to do a giveaway. So, and I'm a big fan of uh, Alex Ramosi. So I recently had just read um, $100 million leads. And um, I read $100 million um, offers before that. And I was just like, all right, what's something like insane that we can do? Because like, we've tried to, we've done giveaways with dog walking and stuff, but dog walking is expensive to give away. You got to pay somebody every every single walk they're doing. Whereas like daycare, it's fix it, it's fixed expenses, which is a fantastic shift away from the dog walking side of things. And we decided we are we are going to give away a full year of doggy daycare to one person. So if you come every single day of the year, um, it's 366 days because this year's a leap year. Um, so we're giving away a year, a month, a week, and then we're giving away training classes, dog walking. We're giving away, we're working with Farmer's Dog, BarkBox, Chewy, and a ton of other big brands and they're contributing giveaway stuff. So we just did this whole giveaway through our Instagram. And so that's been helping to drive a lot of traffic we do. I'm a big fan of guerrilla marketing. So flyers, um, hitting the train stations, flyers and businesses, going and talking to the community, Facebook groups, um, asking for referrals. It, basically, everything that I've done with dog walking, we were able to deploy with this because it's you're marketing the same thing. It's you just got to get the attention of the people. Um, but yeah, lots of guerrilla marketing. And then now we're really starting to push and ramp up uh, the social media ads because we want to get this like really, really dialed in because now once we get this place up and running, we'll be doing dog walking, pet sitting, training, daycare, boarding, grooming, transportation. So we'll have that full package. Once that's complete, then we want to basically have our, our whole company operations manual done end to end so that we can now start looking into you know, the, the focus of the next year is really getting this place dialed in. And once that's done, it start, we want to start looking into scaling. So, Dan, well done. No, seriously, well done, buddy. Uh, really, uh, really great to see uh, where you're going. Looking forward to uh, the rest of the journey as well. Um, yes. Yeah. What, um, so what, what advice would you have, Dan, for someone who is, you know, they're at that stage of, you know, they've taken the decision, we're going to do this, you know, we're, we're committing this next chunk of our lives to opening a, a pet care facility what are, what are kind of the top three things that you would that you would tell people they need to do build an advisory team so get somebody who can advise you on construction who can advise you on the legal aspect of everything someone who can give you advice from the perspective of um, actually operating a facility like this so if you don't have the experience operating a place like this this is for the safety of the animals find someone who has so that you make sure that everything like you don't want to make mistakes when you got a building full of dogs. You want to make sure you've got the right crew of people in there. Um, so that definitely build an advisory team. Make sure you have your money right. Make sure you figure out exactly what you think it's going to cost. And personally, I would add fifty percent to that because it is not a cheap endeavor. Um, and make sure that even if you don't have the cash on hand, that you have it available to you. So I would have. I'd have those uncomfortable conversations. I would talk to, if there are people in your life who could loan you whatever money it is that you need, 
I would go talk to those people. Um, not even to get the money locked in. I mean, not even to get the money, just get the money locked in. So it's an option for you if you need it. Um, and then uh, honestly, it's, you gotta just, you gotta have a plan, stick with the plan and be able to pivot. There's shit's going to come at you that you don't expect. There's going to be delays. I thought this place was going to be up and running eight months, maybe eight months. It took, I don't know, we're at like 32 months it took us to open. Um, I think mine was uncharacteristically long. Um, but yeah, definitely have a plan. But you got you to gotta go into this knowing like you're going to find a way to make it work. You're doing it because you love it. And on those days where you're ready to give up, just don't. Cause like I, I have one thing in my life that I gave up on that is a, one of my biggest regrets, which was, so I ran in the Boston marathon in 2016 for my, my uncle had passed away from lung cancer and he had gotten his treatment at Dana Farber. So my cousin and I ran under Dana Farber's charity. Um, so we each raised like 10, $15,000 each for the charity, which that was the goal. It was to do something good. Um, I made it, I didn't train for the marathon and I made it to mile 19 and I went to the medical tent and to this day, it like keeps me up at night. And so actually my goal is not this year, but for next, so 2025, I want to go back and finish the Boston marathon. So whatever it is that you are working on, whether it's building your daycare, building your dog walking business, your training business, whatever it is, when you feel like you can't give anymore you can't push anymore you can't like you know what do they say it's like when we feel like we've hit our limit we're only at 40 percent. you still got 60 percent left left in you you want it bad enough you put in the time you put in the effort nothing hurts more than regret you do not want to give up on whatever it is you're doing so just keep pushing and keep going you can do it brilliant fantastic advice Dan. Dom, thank you so much for doing what you do thank you for having me on here like seriously man like you and then um, the guys over at Pets that are confessional. Though having these resources for the industry are so so valuable. Like I wish that I was even aware of this stuff when I first. I actually don't even think either of you guys were doing this back then. But like the Facebook groups, the the resources, being able to like this is a, an incredibly valuable service that you guys provide for the industry. So thank you for what you do because I'm sure. There are plenty of people out there who are listening on a weekly basis, watching the stuff that you're putting out, and you're definitely making a very positive impact out there. So on behalf of the pet community, thank you for what you do. Thanks to Dan for sharing his story, and huge thanks to Britt and Sully and to Chris Kennedy too. Uh, it's been really rewarding to hear their motivation and for them to share their challenges and, and their learning experience that they've gone through um, opening their first facility and moving into this incredible uh, pet care space. So thanks so much to those guys. Thanks also to our sponsor, Forever Stainless Steel. Next week, uh, we're doing a February the 14th Valentine's Day special. And I'm going to be talking to a bunch of different uh, pet care business owners who have gone into business together. So we're talking to couples, we're talking to people who are married, and we're talking about their their challenges and what they love about uh, building a business and doing it with their 
their loved one, their better half, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, it's a really cool episode. You're going to love it. Uh, to ensure you do not miss that or any other episodes, you should go and subscribe right now to the Pet Boarding and Daycare podcast. Please leave us a nice review as well. Uh, don't forget to go to uh, petboardinganddaycare.com uh, to subscribe to the magazine. I'm your host, Dom Hodgson. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Pet Boarding and Daycare Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, make sure you hit subscribe right away. And if you need more help to grow your pet care business, then reach out to Dom at petbusinessmarketing.com.